Good morning. Good to see you all here. This morning I'm going to talk to you about God. About God. I know that there's much that we could criticize about the practice of giving and receiving gifts at Christmas. Uh, But in itself, uh, giving gifts is a godly thing to do. Uh, Choosing a gift for someone and paying a price for it, uh, that's what God did for us. God is a gift-giving God. God is a generous and bountiful giver. He is the most generous person in the universe. Gene Veith wrote an article in World Magazine called The God of Gifts. I love that title, The God of Gifts. And he said, the God, is, as Christians know him, is always bestowing gifts. And you were made, you were made to receive from his generosity. That is the plan of God. That is how he is glorified. And perhaps most surprisingly of all, God takes pleasure in giving to you. And this truth, of course, is impressed upon us at Christmas. God gave us his son. Unto us a son is given. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We desperately needed a savior. And God gave one to us. He gave us Jesus Christ. And through God's great gift of Jesus Christ, we are lifted out of the darkness of sin, the misery of sin, the horrible consequences of sin, the sadness of being in this world without God. And we are given life, we are given eternal life, we are given relationship with God. We are brought so near to God. The very essence of salvation is that it is a gift. And God wanted it that way. Not of works, but it is the free gift of God. Jesus Christ himself is a gift. Paul wrote, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Jesus Christ is a gift so great, so precious that we cannot... Put it into words. It is an indes- he is an indescribable gift. All that Jesus gives us is a gift. Jesus said, the water I give you will be in you a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never thirst. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. Salvation and all that that entails comes to us as a gift. Everything that you need to satisfy your soul and save your soul is offered to you as a gift. The free gift of the water of life. Peter said, his divine power has given us everything We need for life and godliness. 
Not just what you need to live a godly life, but all that you need for all aspects of life. God is such a giving God. And of course, we want to focus on the fact that he gave us his son. Unto us a son is given, but I also I want us to, to, to back up and see the heart of God behind giving us Jesus Christ. In Psalm 36, verse 7, David described God as being like a fountain, always giving, always satisfying those who drink. How precious is your loving kindness, O God. The children of men take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They drink their fill of the abundance of your house. You give them to drink of the river of your delights, for with you is the fountain of life. And this verse says that love and life and delights or pleasures flow continually from God to his people. They are always pouring forth from him for you and to you. He gives you to drink of the river of his delights always at all times like a fountain of gushing water. God gives himself to you in endless supply. Come and drink. Drink your fill of the abundance of his house. This is really the key to life, life with a capital L, life eternal, eternal life. Drink from God. Receive from God. Draw upon his inexhaustible supply. Draw upon his inexhaustible, unsearchable riches. Draw upon his inexhaustible willingness to give to you. The abundant life that Jesus came to give comes Not by doing something, but by opening your heart to receive. Open your heart. Receive from him all that you need. Not just at salvation, certainly, to come to him and drink and receive for salvation. But all that you need this morning, all that you need today, all that you will need tomorrow, all that you need in your weakness, in your neediness, in your spiritual barrenness, in your inadequacy, Come and drink from the fountain, which is God. He is God, the giver, the giver of gifts, the giver of all things, the giver of life. He is continually, always giving, flowing to you like a fountain. Receive from him. Learn to receive from him moment by moment, day by day. Receive his bountiful, bountiful gifts that come to us through Jesus Christ. Luke twelve thirty two. Jesus said, Fear not, little flock, for the Father is pleased to give you the kingdom. I love that verse. That just expresses the heart of God. It is so contrary to, to the way, so, how so many Christians think, through, contrary to the way that so many people think. Fear not. It is the Father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. In the context that the message is that we should not be fearful about where, where uh, the clothes we need will come from or wor- worry about how we will have enough to put food on the table. We are to seek first the kingdom of God and all these things it says will be added to you. 
And Jesus said, your father knows that you need these things. And then he adds this most amazing statement, fear not, for the father is pleased to give to you. God enjoys giving to you. He wants to give to you. He likes to give to you. He is pleased to give you these things. Indeed, he is pleased to give you the whole kingdom. It's like there's nothing that he would withhold from you. It's his delight. It's his pleasure to give you the entire kingdom of God. When I read those words, I think how kind and how tender and reassuring those words of Jesus were to the disciples. Fear not, little flock. In essence, he told them, God likes giving to you. God delights in doing good things for you. He delights in saving you. He delights in giving you the kingdom. And he speaks with that kind of kindness and tenderness to you this morning. He says to you, fear not. I am pleased. It is my good pleasure. It is my delight to give to you everything that you need. That you needed for salvation. And that you need today to save and satisfy your soul. Certainly God gives food and clothes as in the context of this verse in Luke's, Luke, Luke uh, 12. He gives material things. But he also comes to meet those needs at the very core of your being. It is his pleasure. It is God's pleasure to meet the very deepest needs that you feel. Those needs at the very core of your person. Those needs that you can't even explain to anyone else. Those needs that you feel perhaps when you're all alone or in the middle of the night or just during a day when you just feel such a great sense of, of neediness and hunger, deep inner hunger. God came to meet the various, 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 very deepest needs that you feel. Another great verse that ex- expresses this heart of God so well, Romans 8, 32. He, did, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? God did not spare the gift of his son. God gave you the, the greatest gift of all in giving you his son. If he would give you the greatest gift... The, the, the gift that was most costly to him. If he would give you the most wonderful, the highest, the most unsearchable, inexpressible gift in the universe, why would he withhold anything else from you, any other good thing from you? God freely gives. I love that statement. God freely gives. How will he not also with? Him freely give us all things. That means that God gives without restraint or without reluctance. There is, there is no um, resentment on his part at having to continue to give to you. He never tires of giving to you. He is not a withholding God. He did not withhold Christ. 
He gave you Christ. He will, will not withhold any good thing from you. James, the brother of Jesus, certainly understood this truth. In the book of James, he said, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives generously to all men. And all we think about probably in that verse is, oh, we need wisdom, let us ask for wisdom. But the reason that we ask is, first of all, because we lack but mostly, and then because we, in our lack, we know that God gives generously. We know that God is a generous God. That's the whole basis that we come to him and ask, and ask boldly, and ask without reproach, without fear of being put to shame for asking, because God is a generous God. God can be generous to us through and only through Christ. It is through Christ that we are brought into the state of receiving. And so on Christmas, as we think of Christ coming into the world, as God giving us his son, God gave us this amazing gift of of his son that brings us eternal life, that lifts, lifts us out of the misery and the consequences of our sin, that redeems us, that brings us real life, Love, peace, righteousness, joy brings us all that. And so we have all of that through Christ, and we are brought into this state of, of, of continually receiving from God because we are, because we are uh, redeemed, we are brought near, we are uh, reconciled to God. In, we are friends with God now. We are brought into the state where God can give generously to us through Christ. Salvation is only the start of his giving for you. I, 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 I fear that some people have a concept that even at Christmas time, that we, when we're talking about God giving the gift, it, it's something that you know, God did 2,000 years ago or, or maybe, maybe something that we, we received years ago at salvation, which certainly we did. But salvation is only the beginning of God's giving to you. He brings us into not only a state of peace, but he brings us into a state of favor, a state of grace, where we are continually receiving the grace and goodness of God. Ephesians 2, 7 tells us that God saved us so that in the ages to come, he might show us the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. He never stops giving. He never stops wanting to show you his kindness. He never will stop showing you the riches of his kindness throughout all eternity. So salvation was just the entrance into the state of grace. It was just the entrance entrance into the state of receiving. In fact, the purpose, it says, God saved you so that in the ages to come, He might show you the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Does not that show you the heart of God? He saved you to be kind to you. He saved you not only to be just a little bit kind to you, but to to show you the riches of his grace for all eternity. Paul said, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard 
and, and which have not entered into the heart of man all that God has prepared for those who love him. And I realize from the context there's a here and now aspect to that, but there is certainly an eternal aspect to that that we have not even begin, begun to see or hear. We could not even begin to imagine or dream of all that God has prepared for those who love him. God is a gift-giving God. Now, I want to shift gears just a bit here, and I want to try to clarify some things about God giving his people gift or about God's gifts that I think sometimes confuse God's people, that confuse his children, that cause anxiety regarding his gifts, and I think often brings needless condemnation for many Christians. So I want to share this whole perspective with you that I think is so important about understanding that God is a a gift-giving God, receiving God's gift, Christ and all along with him, and the right attitude with which we are to do that. First of all, and fundamental, it is so important that you and I understand that God's greatest gift is himself. God's greatest gift gift is himself, and that comes to us through Christ. God gives himself to us through Christ. But God's greatest gift is himself. The most fundamental promise that God gives us is this. I will be your God, and you will be my people. I will be your God. That, I mean, that, if we could even begin to understand one thing, tenth of what that means, we would be jumping up and down, hilarious with joy, um, shouting from the rooftops, God said he would be my God. I will be your God. God gives himself to you. So that even if we have very little in what we call material things, we are still immensely blessed people in all that matters most. And according to the perspective of Scripture, losses should not overwhelm us. We can be content with or without. We can be content with much or with little because we have the main thing. I mean, it's like you're at this feast and it's banquet and you've got, you've got the main course. You've got the the massive 24-ounce T-bone steak and, and the, the, the Caesar salad and everything that goes with it. And it's like some of these other things are like the, the Greek olives on the side or something. I mean, you've got the main thing when you have God. So we can be content with or without, with much or with little. God said to Abraham, I am your shield, I am your very great reward. God gave Abraham himself. And if you, if you know God, and I believe that I'm speaking to most people who do know God, if you have come to know God and beheld something of his glory, if you have experienced something of his glory and experienced something of his love for you, then you know something of the riches of possessing God. God himself is your greatest gift. 
If you have God with you, if you have God for you, if you have God on your side, you have it all. I mean, that's why Paul, the, uh, the writer of Hebrews said, you can, let your, you can let your way of life be free from the love of money or clutching onto money because he himself has said, I will never leave you or ever, ever forsake you. So we have this massive sense of security, this massive sense of being blessed, this massive sense of being given to you too because God has said, I will be your God. I will be your exceeding great reward. When God spoke that, those words to Abraham, he was a stranger and a sojourner in the land. Spurgeon pointed out that he did not own one square foot of land at that time, but he had God. He had something great. And so this is the place that we need to come to if we will ever be truly happy and content. Asaph, the writer of Psalm 73, said, But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. No, no matter what you're going through, no matter what your gains or losses this last year, uh, no matter what your material circumstances, you can say that with Asaph. Asaph. But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. You know, he wrote those words uh, when he, he looked around at the ungodly people around him who had so much more. They seemed to have so much more than he did. They seemed to be so much more blessed than he was. And it disturbed him deeply. It troubled him. He was upset. He was distressed. But it says, and I'm paraphrasing, but when he came into the sanctuary or into the temple of, to worship God, he came to his senses, so to speak, and he came to this ultimate conclusion that as for me, the nearness of God is my good. And the conclusion is that, that he was happy again. He, he had found goodness again because he found it in God. And so this is a place that you need to come to if you will ever be truly happy and content. This, this satisfaction in God, this happiness in God, can even lead saints to say things like, if we have food and clothing, we will be content. To know that God is yours, to be able to call him my God, to be able to say, this I know that God is for me, to know that he loves you, these are gifts beyond anything in this world. And without this central appreciation this focus on God as, our, as the main treasure. As, without this focus on God as the supreme treasure of life. All earthly blessings become ruined by a restless greed for more. Or by idolatry, giving them a place of too big of importance. Or by selfishness. Or by anxiety about losing what we do have because they're too big to us. They're in the place of God, and so we're worried about them, even if we have things. So the real enjoyment of any of God's gifts begins with the enjoyment of God himself. Enjoyment of God is a supreme gift. But, and there is, there is a but here, okay? Something else to consider. 
But it is not only spiritual things that we receive from God. And this, this is, this is this, the second, um, second point under this general heading of kind of dealing with things that I think confuse and cause anxiety or even bring needless condemnation to believers. It is not only spiritual things we receive from God. Jesus was born into a material world. We live in a material world. And God knows that. Jesus healed bodies, physical bodies as well as souls. He fed the multitudes with real fish and real bread. He paid Peter's tax and his own with real money. It kind of came in a pretty neat way, miraculous way, but he used real money to pay their taxes. And I love that line from Matthew 6, all, same as in Luke, Luke 12, your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. He's talking about material things. He's talking about uh, food and clothing and drink, what to wear, what to put on, what to eat. We are not spirit beings with no material needs or wants or desires. And God knows that. He knows these things. I remember one of the early times in our marriage. I, I, I think we were married. I, I, I'm pretty sure we, we were at that time. But we were up at uh, Cindy's mom and dad's in Humboldt. And I was driving a Ford Pinto at the time, and, and I actually have survived to, to tell about it. Uh, that, was my, that was my first, uh, first car. And, uh, but one morning when we were up there at, at Cindy's mom, mom and dad's, uh, I woke up and my car was gone. And uh, I, I, did, I really didn't know what, where it went. It was kind of con- confusing, but... Uh, Anyway, not much later, Kenny brought it back, and it was filled up with gas, and it had new tires on it. And that was just, that was, you know, whatever, whatever other faults Kenny has, and, and there are many, <laughs> but generos- lack of generosity is not one of them. And Lorraine was the same way. You know, she would laden us down with gifts of food and cinnamon rolls, um, to always, you know, to go back to our house. And I remember one time that we were getting ready to go, and Lorraine was just loading us down with gifts, with food and stuff to take back. And I pretty actually think at this time I was single because I said, I don't know where I will put put all this food. I really don't. I had this little tiny kitchen, little tiny refrigerator. I said, I don't know where I'll I'll put all this food. And Kenny said, well, here, take our refrigerator too. I mean, and, and just such was their heart. And we drove, drove home many times on the joy of their generosity. And I felt God in each of those situations. And yet these were strictly material gifts. They were strictly material things. And yet I felt that I was receiving them almost directly from the hand of God. And and that's what the Bible says. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father.
I'm sure that many of you have received things and you, you felt in your heart the blessing of God. Maybe you received an increase in your pay at work this year or maybe some other year. But, but when you received your uh, increase in your pay at work, you probably sensed in your heart the blessing of God. The blessings of God are, in this world, are innumer- innumerable. Food, work, abilities, skills that you have, marital sex, money, families, children, laughter, friends, flowers, birds singing, good cup of coffee, sunshine and blue skies, orange and purple sunsets, rain, rainbows, pure white snow, bacon and eggs with sourdough pancakes, pizza on Friday night, walking, running, talking, All of these are the gifts of God. All of these are gifts from God. And that's that's just my short list. I mean, you you can think of many, many others. Anything that you find pleasure in that is pure, anything that is good in your life is from God. James says it is from the Father of lights. The difference for the believer is, is that we see all these things as a gift from our Creator and give thanks. The unbeliever sees these things, yet does not honor God or give Him thanks as God. So we are not to become materialistic in the sense that we love and worship things instead of God. But God did create a material, physical world for our benefit. Genesis 2.9 says, The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground. And then this very interesting, inter- interesting phrase, Trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. God made stuff to look good and to taste good. He made things for our enjoyment. And as Doug Wilson said, The sin is not in the stuff. The sin is in the human heart. And some people think that they can cure their sin problem by denying themselves the good things of God's creation. God's creation, and and Doug Wilson adds, our sin problem goes way deeper than that. That's not the issue. Psalm 35, 27 says, The Lord be magnified who delights in the prosperity of his servant." I I know that verse could be distorted. I know that verse can be twisted. But doesn't it bless your heart to know that God is happy when you are blessed? Doesn't it delight your heart to know that God delights in the prosperity of his servant? Again, Romans 8.32. God did not withhold his best gift, his greatest gift, His son. Therefore, he will not withhold the lesser gifts, the all things. I heard a story of an old man who was very poor, and as he sat down at his meal, 
Uh, All he has before him is bread and water. But he bows his head to pray and just says, all this in Jesus too. And I love that because when we have Jesus, then anything else is just an added blessing that we enjoy, but we do enjoy much that comes along with the gift of his son. Yes, there is the danger of idolatry, and I think we, we addressed, addressed that at Real Life Church frequently. Yes, people often put their things before God and before faithfulness to God's people. And I don't like that. I don't like to see that. It's wrong. We should have an aversion to that. We should be people who seek first the kingdom of God. We should be first, be people who put God first and foremost above everything. We should be kingdom-minded people, all of that. But if we love God and seek first his kingdom, there is a pure joy that we have in God and in his gifts. We rejoice in the God who, as the scripture says, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. I recently read a book uh, by a guy named Joe Rigney, who's been with uh, the uh, Desiring God ministry for many years, and he's, he's written, written a very in- interesting book. Um, but he, in this book, which I'm going to actually refer to a little bit later, so I'll save that for then, but he says, God's gifts become avenues of enjoying him. God's gifts become avenues of enjoying him. If our heart is right, if we treasure God first and foremost above all things, if God is in his right position in our heart, then all all that God gives us, all that God blesses us with become avenues of enjoying him. Which brings us to our third point. Loving and enjoying God does not mean we do not enjoy his gifts or that we don't want his gifts. Uh, I think sometimes we, I think it's really important to understand how, 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 how vastly superior God is and God and Christ are to everything and everybody and anything else in this world. But it is also important to understand that since we also in, enjoy God through his gifts, that we, that we have a, a proper attitude and openness a freedom to enjoy what he gives us. I heard a pastor share uh, a story about their little little daughter. Uh, heard this on the radio. Don't I? I don't know a, uh, a lot about this situation other than just what I'm going to tell you. But it communicated something to me very powerfully, and I trust that it does to you too. This pastor said they have they had a little girl. I don't know how old she was, but she was a little girl, and. All she wanted for Christmas or for a gift was an American Girl doll. But they had no money. They had no resources. They were barely getting by financially. They had no money to get her an American Girl doll. So they cut out a picture. They cut out a picture, a photograph of an American Girl doll. They attached it to a cardboard cutout of a doll, put some clothes on it, and that was that little girl's 
American Girl doll for, as I understood it, several years. Well, sometime later, uh, they came into a situation just before Christmas where they had some extra money given to them that they could buy their, their daughter a real American Girl doll. And they were so excited to give that to their daughter on Christmas morning. And they couldn't wait to see her face. And the little girl opened the present the next morning. She was just ecstatic with joy. She jumped up and down. She said, thank you, Mommy and Daddy. And, but this, this pastor said, you know, his little daughter's joy could not have been greater than their own joy, he and his wife's. They could, the, the daughter's joy could not have been greater than he and his wife's own joy in giving her that doll. And then he said this. How would we have felt if our daughter had opened that package and said, Mommy and Daddy, I don't want this doll. All I want is to be with you. All I want is you. He said we would have been devastated because we wanted her to enjoy us by receiving and enjoying our gift. Part of the way that God communicates himself to us is through his gifts. And if we don't enjoy God through that hamburger grilling out over the charcoal, we're missing out on the full enjoyment of God. How many of how how much of true enjoyment of God do we miss out on by not enjoying his gifts, multitude of of his gifts daily? This book that I referred to by Joe Rigney, uh, the title is, is The Things of Earth, Treasuring God by Enjoying His Gifts. Um, and he points out from uh, 1 Timothy 4 that, um, that actually rejecting God's goodness in creation is, is not from God, but it's from a demonic source. Uh, it talks about those who, men who forbid, for, forbid marriage and abstaining from food. He talks about how that's doctrine of demons, but he went on to say this, in general, thinning out the gifts and rejecting the stuff and suppressing our delight in created things actually hinders our growth in grace and our ability to resist the pull of the devil's lies. I wish I could go into a further explanation of all of that, but I I will add this by Richard Baxter, which I think is, is excellent. We need to guard our lives against the love of riches and worldly cares. All love for earthly goods, however, is not a sin. Their sweetness is a drop of his love, and they have his goodness imprinted on them. They kindle our love for him as love tokens from our dearest friend. Loving them is a duty, not a sin. Very interesting statement. They kindle our love for God as tokens as love tokens from a dearest friend. And that's how we're to see all the blessings that we have in this life, as love tokens from our dearest friend. Material blessings are not to make us lovers of things. They're to make us lovers of God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. We see through all good things to him. That's why Christians give thanks at their meals for food. It is not God or his gifts. It is seeing God in his gifts and through his gifts. 
Every good thing is to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth, Paul, Paul wrote. For everything is created by God. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude, for it is sanctified by means of the word of God and prayer. You know, this may sound like a, a weird verse to read at Christmas time, but frequently I have read that verse before we open packages at Christmas. Because I, I want to sanctify our gifts by means of the word of God and prayer. All right, I'd like to uh, wrap up this morning with uh, some applications. Most of all, first of all, foremost of all, get down on your knees and thank God for himself. Thank God for the inexpressible gift of Jesus Christ to you, especially as we think of it at Christmas time. This Christmas, just saturate yourself with uh, attitude of, and, and a heart full of thanksgiving. Give thanks to God with all of your heart for the precious gift of Jesus Christ to you and all that, that entails. Second application, change your mind about God. See him as a giver, a tireless, ceaseless giver who takes pleasure in giving to his children, and that means you. God never tires of giving to you. If you ask him for grace and help yesterday, you can ask for it again today. If you ask for it five minutes ago, you can ask for more right now. Sometimes we do not enjoy God fully because we do not really believe his willingness to actually give us those things. I've seen believers for years struggle with not being able to believe that God really wants to love and forgive and heal and bind up their broken heart and take care of them. Number three, pray to a God who gives good gifts. Don't pray to a God who, who is a non-giving God. And I, honestly, I think, I think um, you know, our concept of God when we pray is so important uh, Matthew seven eleven, Jesus said, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Um, and in, I, I'm not sure if it's in Matthew or in another, in Luke, where this is quoted. It talks about giving the good gift to the Holy Spirit. But whatever you, know, whatever you want from God, and especially those things that will satisfy those deepest needs in your life, such as the Holy Spirit... <laughs> Ask of God, and his willingness is there. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Jesus taught us to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. You know, we're, we're to live. That's to, that's to be a part of every day. Just, Lord, give me what I need for today. Give us. You know, notice those words. Give us this day our daily bread. So we are to live each day in the expectancy that God will give us at every moment, every day, all that we need. Number three, do not become obsessed about taking care of yourself and your duties. This is probably in there for me more than for maybe some of you, but we are to be responsible, hardworking people. Bible teaches that. But we're also supposed to be able to put down our work and rest without worry. 
And Psalm 127 gives us the reason or the basis that we can do that. It says we can do this because God gives to his beloved even in his sleep. The gist of that psalm is that you don't have to work through the night. That's in the New American Standard, which I believe is the only correct translation of that verse, by the way. Uh, The gist of that psalm is that you don't have to work through the night because God does things for you even while you sleep. Even when you can't be doing stuff for yourself, God gives to you so generously that he gives to you even in your sleep. He guards the city. He builds the house. So you can stop working and rest peacefully at night because you serve a God who gives and loves to give to you even in your sleep. Number five, choose a gift for someone you love and then pay a price for it and give it to them. Again, that's what God did for us. And that's why we do it for others. So if gift giving, giving, giving and receiving gifts is a part of your, what you do at Christmas as a family, go ahead and do that freely. Choose to celebrate Christmas that way with joy and freedom. You are being like God when you do that. So do it without condemnation. Number six, whatever you need, whatever you need, This morning, tonight, tomorrow, whatever you need, God has a gift to meet it. Whether you are lonely, disturbed, downcast, troubled, anxious, facing daunting responsibilities or overwhelming troubles, you do not have a problem that God does not have a gift for. God's gifts provide comprehensive coverage for all of life and godliness, for salvation and for everything else that you will ever need. God's gifts are there for you. I would like to ask you to uh, bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm going to read a a little prayer that I wrote out, and perhaps you'll see or find that it expresses some some of the desires of your, your heart. Lord, I am here to receive from your fullness for my emptiness. I'm here to receive from your joy for my sorrows, your supply for my needs. I am here to receive your supply for my emotional needs, my financial needs, and every other need I have. I am here to receive your wisdom for my lack of wisdom, your love for my deep longing to be loved, I'm here to receive your answers to my problems, your presence for my loneliness, your strength for my weakness, your comfort for my disappointment and grief. By faith, right now in this moment, I receive from your generosity. I receive from your abundance. I trust in your willingness to give me all things. I rejoice that you are pleased to give and give and give to even me. I am always or ever in need. I am a bundle of needs, and yet you are always there for me with all sufficiency for all things. How I thank you that you are a gift-giving God 
and that it is your pleasure to give to me. In Jesus' name, amen.